Hear the word of God from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. This reading comes from the New Revised Standard Version and can be found on page 949 in the Pew Bible. From Ephesians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ. As a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people. To the praise of his glory. The word of God for the world. Thanks be to God. O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. In the name of Jesus, amen. So I wonder, have you ever forgiven someone and then not been able to let go of it? I assume somebody else has had my experience too. When I was a small groups coordinator while I was in seminary, my supervisor and I had a very big difficulty working together on preparations for our fall midweek ministries. And during, throughout all of it, I struggled a little bit, but by the end of it, I felt betrayed and hurt. To me, it was a class A conflict, and I was a class A coward because I didn't like conflict at all. But God has such a sense of humor. The class I was taking in seminary that summer, conflict resolution in the church. So I couldn't just walk away from it. I couldn't just ignore it or run, which was my first thought. And so I took all the tools that I had learned. I prayed before I, um, prepare, as I prepared to go. I wrote down the points that I wanted to cover and did not write down the ones that I didn't want to cover. And I made an appointment with my supervisor and went to talk to him. 
And you know, it was a terrific conversation. He listened, he understood, he even asked me for forgiveness. I wasn't even expecting that, I just wanted him to know. Of course, I forgave him, and I thought it was done. But it wasn't. Every time I saw him, I, I still had this, just this little residual hurt and resentment that crept up when, in my heart. Well, I knew that it was something that I needed to pray about. And so I started to pray for him and for his ministry and for his family, for his faith. It took a couple months, but finally the reconciliation was complete when any time I saw him, there wasn't any hurt, there wasn't any, any kind of issue at all. We were finally reconciled. Well, what I found in that experience was that you can know something in your head and you can say it with your lips, but until your heart's on board, until your heart has gotten the message, it's not done. We can't stop trying until the heart knows what it needs to know. And we all know that we can get things, we can experience things or know things in our head about experiencing love or about us forgiving and being reconciled. But as long as it's in our head and it doesn't travel down to our hearts, it doesn't really impact our lives. Instead of experiencing love, we can get lost in feelings of feeling less than, of feeling that we're not worthy or good enough for God or anyone else. We may feel like outcasts, like we don't belong, or even unloved and unlovable. But we don't want to feel like that. We want something more. Yet even though the Bible tells us many places how much God loves us, in the midst of our daily struggles, sometimes it's really hard to connect with that if we're only doing it from our head. And if we try to ignore it, that doesn't make us whole either. And think about the other, about us being able to be in other people's lives in forgiveness and reconciliation. Well, the experience there can be just as much of a challenge if it's only in our minds. I mean, who doesn't have someone in their family or their, or their work or their neighborhood that, they just, that we just can't like, much less love or forgive? How many times have you tried to forgive and it just didn't work? And I know so many people who have told me that there are people in their lives that when they get together, they can only talk about safe topics. The weather, maybe sports if it's not a playoff. Um, because they've had such experiences of anger, of accusations of being insane, for having different views than the friend or family member they're thinking of. And you know what? There are people that we know, all of us have someone that we know and we want to love, but we just don't know how to make it happen. So how can we experience God's love in such a real and nurturing way that it can lead us to be, to love, to forgive, 
and to reconcile even with those that we don't like so much, even with those where we struggle. We'll see today it's possible, but it's not easy. For the next few weeks in our series, we'll called No Longer Strangers, we're examining what the book of Ephesians has to say to, to the church about how we can be neighbors with each other, neighbors that are growing together in faithfulness to God and in the experience of love for God and each other. Now, even in light of interpersonal conflicts, the writer of the book of Ephesians reminds us that we are no longer strangers to God or to each other. And here in the in this book, we are told that through um, Jesus Christ, that we are one with God and one with each other, that radical transformation can happen in our lives and in our communities as a result of it. The words just bubble over with the abundant goodness of God as multiple themes here intertwine to reveal the fullness of what God has given us in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Written as one very long sentence, well, most of the New Testament has no, no uh, punctuation at all, but this particular one seems to be, be, have been written as one long sentence. Translators have done us a favor and given us punctuation so that we can take a breath as one lofty idea after another just comes off of the pen of the writer. By the end of the passage, though, there is no doubt about how lavish God's love is in Christ Jesus or how complete the forgiveness and reconciliation from the opening thanksgiving to God for spiritual blessings through the pledge of our inheritance at the end, blessing upon blessing is given to us that leaves us breathless in awe and overcome by God's generosity. The passage is built in three somewhat parallel cycles of action of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it is God's blessing and God's good pleasure and God's glorious grace that combine and build one upon the other in ever more expansive ways to conspire in Christ to show us that we are chosen by God. Now there's something special about being chosen. We know that as humans in our hum human experience, what it's like to be chosen for the team you wanted to play for or to be chosen by the college that was your favorite that you wanted to attend to be chosen for the job that you always dreamed of and maybe by that special person that you hoped would be your spouse. And there are other ways that we're chosen as friends, as, as helpers. But being chosen makes us feel special. So I want us to stop for a moment right now and, and connect with what it feels like to then be told, to then come to know that we are chosen by God. We were chosen by God, not just today, not on the day we believed in Christ, not on our, the, the day we were born. No, we were chosen. You were chosen, and you were chosen, and you were chosen 
All of us were chosen before the foundation of the world. Before anything else existed, we were chosen. Well, how can that happen, we wonder, if we didn't exist then? Ah, but the Son, the Son, Jesus Christ, the Son existed. And so as we would come to be in Christ, we would come to be a part of God. So we're not simply chosen. We're chosen to be holy and blameless before God in love, receiving God's love and also giving God's love to others, to our neighbors. And that's not all. In addition to the forgiveness received in Christ, we're reconciled to God, destined, that's kind of another way of being chosen, destined for adoption to become members of God's family. Suddenly, the purpose and direction of our lives are caught up in the will and design of God's creation. And we receive the seal of the promised Holy Spirit as a pledge of our inheritance, sort of like earnest money that we pay down on real estate, except this is a pledge for what God is giving us as our inheritance as God's people. Yet we who can spend a lot of time trying to figure out who is and who isn't deserving of God's choosing may have a hard time accepting the fact that God chooses everyone and to have the opportunity to have the opportunity to be forgiven, to be in Christ, to be part of the family. Like young children, we often don't want God to bless people that we think are undeserving or distasteful or in some other way maybe disagree with us. But it's in relationships of love and forgiveness that we come to find the fact that we can't exactly ask God to forgive us without God being able to forgive others. And we can't ask God to forgive us if we wouldn't do the same for someone else. This is exactly the point that the author of Ephesians makes in our passage. It's in connecting what God does in and through us with God's desire for what we will do with what he's given us. God is the source of our ability to be forgiven and to reconcile, as well as our ability to do that with a people. When we choose to put up barriers, or if others have chosen to do it for us, because of differences of personal beliefs or hurts that we've had, it separates us. It's a choice that hurts everyone. It even causes distance between us and God. The choices we make that separate us are choices that we don't have to make. Let's instead make the choices that we make with others be the ones that God has made for us. And let's not stop trying until our hearts have the message. God could have chosen to keep up barriers between us, to keep us as strangers, but God didn't, and we don't have to either. God could have chosen not to forgive us in Christ, to leave us separate from each other and from God. Instead, God chose to forgive, and so can we. And God 
could have chosen not to reconcile with us, to keep us outside the family of God, to forgive but keep us separate. But God draws us in as members of the family, and so can we. We can choose love and forgiveness and reconciliation, but only when we're honest with ourselves about how we struggle with it. And we do. To be honest with ourselves about the lack of love towards someone or our unwillingness to forgive, or maybe even our inability that we feel that we can do that. And be honest with ourselves about how we might like to keep our hurts rather than be reconciled. This week, I'd like everyone here to do something. I'd like for each one of us to spend time in prayer with God, asking God to help us be honest with ourselves about who it is in our lives that where we've put up barriers that need to come down. And, once, and it may be that you have more than one someone. I have had those occasions in my life. And so when we get that name or names, write them down on a card or a piece of paper and put it where you pray and make it a matter of prayer to pray for that person every day. Now, I'm not talking about praying for this situation or complaining to God about all the things that the person did that made you right to put up the barriers or about how hurt you are that someone else put up the barrier. Just pray for the person. Pray for the person's family and work and faith and the love in their lives. Pray until God has changed your heart to love the person as God loves the person has changed your willingness to forgive to be something that you want to do more than you want to be remain in unforgiveness until God has changed your heart so that you want reconciliation far more than you want estrangement. It's not easy, friends, but it is the way for God to work in us even in the midst of of estrangement from people, even in the places where we say we're strangers, we're not even friends anymore. It is a place to help us yearn for reconciliation. Keep praying until your heart gets the message. There were no barriers between Andrew and Calixta who grew up together in a village in Rwanda. As these men grew up and got married and had children, their families were all part of the same friend group. And Andrew said that it was a place of peace and harmony where people would gather for weddings and other celebrations. It was peaceful, that is, until April 1994, when Rwanda erupted in violence as tribal tensions between the Tutsi tribe and the Hutu tribes just boiled over into killing, a frenzy of killing. 
Calixta, who was of the Hutu tribe, joined with many friends and turned against Andrew's wife, who was a Tutsi. And although she survived, her family did not. Her parents and her five siblings died. Andrew said that there was hatred that had come up among the people of the village. Hatred between those who had survived and those who had done the killing. That those friendships that they had enjoyed so much that they were all gone. He turned in his friend, Calixte. And Calixte was sentenced to 13 years in prison. During those years, the recovery began. There were groups that came to try to begin the hard work of reconciliation. And both of the wives each chose to work in the recovery, sometimes side by side, saying nothing to each other. But over time, Andrew's wife saw how Calixte's family struggled, and she began to bring them food. But they still had a long road ahead of them. Calixte returned to the village in 2007 after serving his sentence. And the children in the two families who had been unable to play with each other or to engage with each other all these years were able to see as hate began to become reconciliation. It came together one Sunday morning when both families were in worship and the pastor was preaching about forgiveness. And in that moment, each family was equally convicted that they could do this no longer, that they had to talk, that they had to find a way forward. And they did. From 2010 until today, they are the best of friends. They found the way to reconciliation in Christ. It was not something they could do on their own, but in Christ, they became friends again. They now help others do the same. The men visit the prisons together where others are still incarcerated to help them know that love and forgiveness is possible. As we pray over those names that we hear from God this week, I want us to consider that if these families who had no reason to want to love again, no reason to want reconciliation with each other, if God could work in these families to reconcile, God can work in our families if God in Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit, helped these men and women overcome the horrors of what they experienced, God can do the same in your life, in our lives. And friends, here's the thing. God chose them too. God chose the one that you are troubled with. And in Christ, we are family. And so, if we are family, how much more will God work in our lives to help us reconcile? Keep trying until your heart gets the message. Pray with me, please.
O holy God, we are so grateful. Grateful for the many blessings that you give us. Grateful that we are no longer strangers to you and that in Christ we need not be strangers to anyone. We pray, Lord, that as we think about the person that you bring to mind this week, as we begin to pray, as we begin to try to reconcile, that you strengthen us for the journey, that you encourage us along the way, and that you work in ways we could never have anticipated to help us forgive, to help us reconcile. It is in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray these things. And all God's people said, Amen.